is Kiki Rai, and you're listening to For the... listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or even game design. Joining Roger from WoW Dogs, and For the Lore is Joe, writer for World of Maticus, and Enrique of Spooncraft. Well, welcome to For the Lord. This is Roger coming to you on Monday, the 8th of February. And with me, same as usual, I've got Joe from World of Maticus as well as We of the Totem. And taking Rick's place for this episode, we've got Kiki, who you have all heard by now quite a few times calling into the show. She's actually going to be our guest co-host for the entire episode. So, Kiki, welcome to the show. Thank you. Always welcome. nice to have you. Welcome. Oh, and Hoogs is back. Inside Excellent. jokes, folks. You'll hear it in the outtakes later if you're listening, if you've downloaded the show. So it's been an interesting week on this end. Um, once the hangover from the Drunk Tank episode was gone, the uh, the rest of the week was a lot of uh, Star Trek Online. What about you people? Oh, man. So addicted to Star Trek Online. It's not even funny, especially after you gave me that little uh, that little tip. Oh. <laughs> We have been having a blast with it. Um, I will say that I, I've gotten, I'm almost at the point, well, I shouldn't say almost, I've just passed the point where I was before, but not by as not by much, but I've been doing a lot of other quests. So I'm still only, I'm level nine, which is in fact higher than what I was before, but I've been doing a lot more of the exploration quests and whatnot. And I'm finally starting to see the um, episodic content the way it's supposed to be. I've had a couple of quests now that have had me doing both ship battles as well as stuff on away missions. And then and it continues throughout several stages. And though they're not epic in scale, they at least gave me some faith that we do have some really good content coming up. One of the cool things about that that I'm noticing is... Christine Thompson was very upfront about that with us when she was talking with us. She did say that the first 10 levels are like an extended, um, an, an extended tutorial. And I can really see that. Like I'm starting to get to that point too with my new character. Like I just started getting into the episodic content, uh, after rerolling. And I'm very happy to see that the meat is starting to really flesh itself out. Like the beginning, the, the kill 10 rats and talk to the diplomat and escort the diplomat. And, you know, here's your introduction to fleet, actions was kind of cool but getting to actually see how everything's going to start weaving together on a more intricate scale like you can see the potentials there awesome yeah i i am finding more now as well because i'm actually getting to play a little bit more as well i'm finding little quirks that are there that i'm still not liking and i'm finding new ones that i definitely don't like i uh literally earlier today when i was playing I was warping from, what is it, I think the Sirius to the Regulus or the Regulus to the Sirius, but I was at 
the very bottom see that's another thing it's the equivalent again of you gotta run from Stormwind all the way to you know Westfall or some damn bullshit you gotta expect right. it's gonna take you a while until you're faster excuse me however when you're going between those sectors it takes a goddamn long time and because you're in that sector space you can't use the full impulse thing and go faster so you're like you're not going what is that you just on on impulse engines or no 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 when you're when you're going for the sector space you are at max impulse like if you no you're not you're not going fast yeah you are but it's 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 supposed to indicate exactly how big space is like if you are going like you notice when you're going full speed when you're in a in regular space you'll see like the light trail behind you you have that like if you plot course and just let it go you have your light travel you are at full impulse the problem is is because um the scale of things is skewed it doesn't seem very fast oh see i hate that that it's too goddamn slow like i mean really there's i could my little freaking dude can run from Stormwind all the way to westfall and back in the time it takes for me to get the freaking deep space k7 bullshit place like it takes forever and then when i got to the very bottom of i want to say the regulus one whatever anyways i had to cross over i warped fucking thing warped me to the top of the sector <laughs> that's not right that's no that's not right no no and for people who haven't played the game yet that like the it's like Tetris. Like the the sectors you got, like they're either rectangle, really thin rectangles going up, or rectangles in a landscape, and it's kind of like Tetris all blocked together bullshit. Well, several of them are very long rectangle rectangles going up, and they're two sectors side by side. So right. you'll travel down one sector all the way to the bottom, and then if you need to go to the other side into the other sector, you should be able to just warp across but no instead it warps you back to the top of the other sector that and then you're like you're kidding me and then you gotta like oh i'm just gonna set it on cruise control and hope that it doesn't drop me in a goddamn enemy vagina looking thing there when you get those portals that look like really loose women and you just kind of like go in or it'll just toss you in for no reason all willy-nilly like you should be fighting someone bad right now here's 16 attacking you so See, and <laughs> it, it but that doesn't really bother me too because i mean all right if you notice that in in all the sci-fi series where they're jumping into to space systems or star systems even in role-playing games like mechton and the old pen and paper travelers and the old pen and paper uh rogue trader when you warped into a system when you came out of uh ftl you couldn't come in in the system because the gravity wells would throw you off and you know kind of fuck with you so i'm kind of okay with that just simply because as a, a sci-fi nerd it, it kind of holds true because there are certain points you can jump in and certain points you can't um the only thing i wish they would do is i wish that they would have a certain level of elevation for jumping out of the systems i don't like the fact that you can just kind of warp the sector space out of it no matter where you are but you can't warp into it it's that 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 little inconsistency does bother me but other than that i'm kind of okay with it because well you know it's, it's a space game i mean i'm okay with it i need eventually i'm gonna have to travel in system yeah i I disagree. But I, like, I understand the rationale with it, but in the same way that I I cannot wait to get a mount 
in like wow and like the lower they keep dropping that bitch the happier i am because eventually if i ever go back you know they'll they'll give me a mount as i'm creating my goddamn character so because i i hate the time restraint of of going and 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 eventually getting that mount it, it just sucks to all hell and for the most part it it's not a game mechanic that i believe we need anymore um you're not going to not explore space because it takes you longer or because you can get there faster. You're still going to go out and find shit and look at shit. So so what if I can get from the top of the sector to the bottom of the sector in, like, the time it takes Rick to drop his pants? Like, really? That's what I want. Re- Boom, I'm there. you really there. want that fast? I think that's a little much to ask. I didn't Come say on. as fast as he is in the sack. Ooh, fair enough. Fair enough. Kiki, what do you have to say about this? Um... I'm actually not playing it. I had the beta for a very, very long time. But yeah, so you actually got to play it a while. I, no, <laughs> I couldn't get into it, so I never experienced much of the game, sadly. Fine, then. Fine, fine. I'm sorry. <laughs> Cryptic did say that they, uh, this was interesting, that they, they hit a million Star Trek online fans and then quickly clarified i'm sure you guys saw this in yeah. fact it's one million cryptic accounts that are created between um champions online and star trek online so that was a pretty tricky wording there mm-hmm. well and, and to their credit at least they clarified and didn't just let it continue to be ambiguous oh, yeah. you know because it's really easy to go hey we have 12 million people never mind that Four million of them have three accounts. You know, it's you know they're they're at least they're honest about it. And, and honestly, uh, with a subscription-based game, it, it's it, there are certain milestones that um, I'm okay with them saying stuff like that. I actually kind of okay with it. See, I'm not simply because somebody had to go after them and say, "Please clarify this." And are we at a stage where, with such an incredible IP, whether you're a fan or not, you can't deny the fact that it's it's a huge IP. One million is really not that huge. Now, when you split that million by knowing that that is both the champions as well as Star Trek Online, Mm -hmm. really, the million is a lot. Like, they were just announcing today, too, Free Realms has got 8 million (laughs) registered accounts. Granted, they're going to have more because it's a free uh, online kind of thing. But still, I mean, 1 million is not a huge milestone anymore. Well, and and, that, and the other thing, too, is we're still in the early stages of the game as well. The people are a lot more picky after seeing what Ion did and a few other games that really kind of let them down. So I think after the first 30 days will be when we really start to see the levels uh, for subscriptions for this game. So, yeah. So moving on to WoW, and we've got the... Um for the yes. for fool for love event is going on right now. Um, you're actually not going to need to bother with that now that you got your your ugly ass mount. Well, I don't have to bother with the achievements. I still want to get the pet because I didn't get it last year, and uh, I do want to actually keep killing the uh, the boss. Uh, there is a new holiday boss which they've added into this one, which is kind of cool. Um, and uh, I'm really looking forward to getting the drops off of them. There's like a gas mask drop and a, a little oozling that eats rats and grows bigger. <laughs> that I want to get to because it just looks so freaking awesome. Okay, explain the boss for people. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, it goes to Shadowfang Keep, which uh, is really awesome because it's an instance that we are going to see reinvented for Cataclysm. It's going to have a heroic setting for Cataclysm. Uh, Shadowfang Keep is the Worgen 
uh, level, I think it's like 15, 20-ish zone. Uh, it's a it's a raid group. It's it's an instance. And you run in and you go into the, the courtyard and you're sent by a goblin detective to go serve papers to uh, a splinter group of the apothecaries. And uh, it's three guys, you know, three undead, you know, apothecaries that are putting out this very super special fragrance this year and your job is to tell them to cease and desist because it's causing harm which is kind of cool because it turns you into like you know seth rogan from you know pineapple express and you have to take on these three guys kill them and then you get a chance at the drop um and while you're killing them all these like undead apothecary assistants are just flinging themselves at you from every which way in the courtyard uh, it's a lot of fun. It's it's an interesting little thing. It's a summonable. It's a once a day. Uh, very similar to uh, the Headless Horseman, uh, which I think is actually a really nice touch. And it also shows that they are willing to add stuff to their holiday content and that they actually might have realized that, yeah, the holiday content's kind of gotten a little stale, guys. That's so here, let's give it a little one. extra. Yeah, it, that's, it that's huge because that's always been one of my biggest complaints is the fact that every holiday event has been the same. So changing this up is a huge thing for me. Yeah, and, and it's exciting too. Like I log in to, to, to the game and first words out of everybody's mouth, you gotta have a summon, do you have a summon? Do you wanna come heal? Do you wanna come to the boss? Oh my God, this is so awesome. And everybody's excited about it because it's new. And and new is good. Everybody likes new. I like shiny new things. I, I know Kiki likes shiny <laughs> new things. You know, Roger, Roger very clearly likes shiny new things because that's all he focuses on. But you know, it, it's, 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 it's good. It's nice to see them take a little bit of time, even if it is just the boss, and put something else into it. Yeah. Also shiny and new will be the armory update that's going to allow you to do auction house transactions. Mm. That freaking rules. They're, they that haven't sounds been... so weird, in my opinion. I know. It's just a little strange. They haven't been very clear on it, though. They haven't been very clear of whether or not it's going to allow you to purchase and put auctions up or if it's going to allow you to browse or if it's going to, when you're logging in the game, if it's going to disable the feature. They haven't worked out all the details on there. It's very, very vague. Yes, but, I mean, you can't very well just put up an auction house that's going to have, you know, just the ability to view what's there. That makes absolutely no sense. Um, they have to add some manner of functionality in terms of what you can do with it. The fact remains that, A, they're talking premium premium features, wherein you're going to have to pay for some content. So mm -hmm. that's a big one. So it's a money-making thing for them without a doubt. That being said as well, though, if they're introducing a feature wherein you can do all of your auction house from an app, they are lessening lessening the server load for one because you're not logging in to do it. They are also going to it's it's not like they're losing money. So it's not like they're thinking, well, they're not gonna log in and have to pay us X per hour dollars because you're paying regardless of if you're in or not. So they're what what it's gonna do is make you even more involved in the game. And make it so that you are always checking. You're always doing some auction house bullshit. And then also when you're you're in game. I see it much more as a detriment to the workforce. <laughs> because <laughs> people are going to be doing a lot of their auction house stuff while they should be working. So that when they get to their actual game time. Oh look, they don't have to spend an hour in the auction house. They can just play and have fun. 
And, and I think that's also gone a long way, too, because a lot of the people complain about the game. I mean, let's look at pre-BC. Pre-BC, before they started supplying uh, flasks and consumables for you know drops and things like that, before they made it easier, how many hours did people spend farming? How many hours did people spend crafting? How many hours did people spend outside of just enjoying the game um, but prepping for shit or trying to make money so that they could go do stuff? And by simplifying it even further, like I'm, I'm full out 100% for this app. I want to see this functionality. I want it at my fingertips. I want to be able to say, okay, here's the belt I've been looking for for you know three fucking weeks that's finally on the auction house. Bye. Before anybody else gets it, I want to be able to do to have that and not have to sit there in the auction house, refresh, 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 you know, not have to log into the game and go to a major city and hope that it's not lagged as shit. You know, I want that. I think it's a great, fantastic fucking idea. I think it's long overdue. I think it'd be nice, too, if they make it so that you can actually log into the app while you're actually playing as well. So if you're fishing and you want to be looking at stuff as long as, you know, if you're raiding and, and looking at Auction House, somebody may frown upon that. But I mean, to give you the functionality that whether you're on a griffin or you're flying from one zone to another or whatever, you can still go through. Like, there's there's so many things that they can do with this. Mm-hmm. Well, and what do you think, Kiki? What, do you, what, what are your thoughts on it? Um, if I was still playing WoW, I think it would probably be amazing. Granted that I have a lot more free time than the average player. So going to the auction house and checking it out was kind of fun for me. (laughs) (laughs) See, I actually see this as a, like, I'm not subscribed right now, but if this were introduced and it was closer to Cataclysm, and if I'm bored with other games at that point and figure I'll probably buy it anyways it'd be a reason to start a tune on a new server and just so that i can start you you would hate me dude you i would i I would not be good for your guild i swear to god it would not be good times but um it would give me the opportunity to get some some cash flow going before i actually start playing that damn organ so it, 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 it presents a vast amount of opportunity, and that's yeah. what I really like about it. Well, again, the, the mere fact that I have not been playing for months and months now, I've been having a blast playing other games, and yet I read this and I think, oh, you know, <laughs> I could start a character just to play the auction house for a while, because I actually really enjoyed playing the auction house. It's, an, it's a game entirely in and of itself, that making money and controlling the economy, and it can be a blast. Granted, what's going to happen is that we're going to have a lot more of that happening once this app is out as well. Oh, now, yeah. uh, moving on to the patch, how much of the content have you worked on, Joe? Uh, we are almost to unlocking Lich King mode. Um, we are on the final bosses of each. Well, we're the final bosses of Bloodwing uh, and the Plague Works because let me tell you, those two are bastards still. Um, and we actually had a really, 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 really fun fight um, for healers, especially. And you'll appreciate this, Roger. One of the one of the things that healers and raids have always been bitching about is I'm playing Green Bar Whack a Mole. I don't get to really do anything. The boss goes down just because I kept things alive. Yeah, they have a boss in there called the Dreamwalker. And the Dreamwalker is fucking amazing because you have to heal the boss to 100%. That is your oh, entire Oh, that's so cool. cool. I was uh, talking about what I wanted to see in a, a raid boss, and that was one of the things. Where it you was. actually had to heal the boss or something. 
And and that's one of the things that a lot of people were asking for, and oh, yeah. they got it. Where you get to the, the boss opens up. The boss is, is if you don't remember, everybody remembers Blackwing Lair, and you remember Velastraza, and you remember you know the fairy was trying to corrupt Velastraza, and then you know you have to go kill him. Yeah, that's kind of fine and dandy. And here, the Lich King's trying to corrupt you know a member of the Green Dragon Flight, one of the ones that hasn't been corrupted or really dealt with yet. And uh, yeah, your job is to help them escape. And not only are you helping them escape, but they are opening portals up to the Emerald Dream, where you have to go into the Emerald Dream during the boss fight, get yourself buffed, come out, and keep going. And it is ridiculous fun as a healer. It is ridiculous that fun to watch my really team. amazing. I'm not playing. Gotta, Stop it. You gotta, wait, wait, hold on. You gotta understand. You gotta understand. Do you know how I know this is a fantastic encounter? When I heard my healing team giggle. Uh, that, dude, that does not happen. <laughs> All of them. And they're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. We need to do this boss. Oh my. And everybody's foaming at the mouth. And it's not an easy fight. And it's something that keeps healers on their toes. So congratulations, Blizzard. Fan-fucking-tastic instance all the way through. Congratulations. You have the heart of every healer and probably the thanks of every healer as well. So, yeah, it's fantastic. God damn it. <laughs> you know, because as, as much fun as I've been having in Star Trek Online, I have been... I've been enjoying it more now. I'm still thinking this is not going to hold me that that long. So it's like I and and knowing that the old republic's not coming out until spring as well. It's like uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm going to need <laughs> something to do with my time. I was um, trying um, to hold out till the old republic, but. Might not happen. I, yeah, I seriously, I I know for a fact that Star Trek Online is not going to hold me <laughs> till the Old Republic. It's simply not possible. Um, especially also seeing how some of the content they're going to be charging for. Which, while I don't disagree with that business model of introducing new content and charging within reason, um, we don't have to look far with Blizzard, where they introduce tons of new content without charging you, and. Mm-hmm. Knowing what I know about the content so far in Star Trek Online, whatever they introduce, I can't see myself honestly paying for it, or I can't see myself paying a lot for it. It's just not going to hold me nearly long enough to make it a good value. Well, and and, and that's a really big point is everybody has their certain preference. Some people will prefer the sci-fi games. Some people will prefer the fantasy games. Some people will prefer EVE Online versus Star Trek. Uh, some people will prefer um, WoW to Guild Wars or vice versa. It just kind of happens. But when it comes to content and players like we are, I mean, right now, I think is a time of the budget-minded gamer. It really, really is. I mean, if we pay a monthly subscription but we get shit tons of content, Absolutely. People are gonna they're they're gonna kind of gravitate towards that type of game. Perfect example, which we're gonna be talking about in a little bit, would be Mass Effect as well. Um, Left for Dead also falls in that category, where you're getting a bunch of stuff to you for free, but nobody quite does it on the same scale that Blizzard does. And WoW in particular, when the Ice Crown Citadel was released, it really was the big draw of the entire expansion. Not just because it is a huge fucking lore nugget, but because it is. Great content. Yes, some of the some of the fights were a little buggy to begin with, but it's interesting and different, and we get it for free. 
And I think that's one of the big things. As long as I can keep getting premium content, as long as I can keep getting things that are going to keep my attention and not just be, you know, repeats of, you know, kill 10 rats or, you know, go talk to this person in space in the middle of nowhere and be, be a diplomat over and over and over again, I'm happy. Yeah. Um, Khaled on Twitter was asking too, and you'd be the best to answer this. And I, I, you've already pretty much made it clear too. What do you think of the lore events at the end of Wrath of the Lich King? This actually, I was going to talk about anyway, because there, right now uh, there is a unique event happening among the social community of the gamers. The last boss of the game right now, we're talking about Arthas, we're talking about the Lich King is a huge lore piece. He has been around since Warcraft 3. Well, he's been around earlier than that, but Arthas as the Lich King has been around since Warcraft 3. He's been one hell of an antagonist throughout the entire expansion. He has been a motivating force behind a lot of it. He was even a motivating force of Burning Crusade. I mean, Illidan wouldn't have been where he is if it wasn't Arthas really fucking with him, right? So here comes a point where... Arthas, and, and this is going to be a spoiler alert for anybody who's been avoiding the uh, the video or avoiding yeah, any, any look sort of website. <laughs> uh, I'm, just, I, I'm just being fair. I'm giving them a warning. Okay, we see Arthas die. We see the, in the video, we see this, this last moment of Arthas' humanity stripped from him. And we see him, I don't want to say re- redeem himself slightly, but we see his father's spirits hold him and caress him and, and tell him that no king will rule forever. Well, here's an interesting debate that's happened. There's a very, it's very vague. What if the events inside of Christine Golden's book of the Lich King didn't actually see Ner'zhul completely gone? What if he is the driving force behind this? What if he was just allowing Arthas to think he was in control? What if in actuality, the spirit that is presented from Frostmourne in the Halls of Reflection isn't Uther? What if it is a manifestation of Ner'zhul? What if he's manipulating it? What if, at the end of it, what if it isn't Arthas's father? What if it isn't King Terenus that is actually holding it, that isn't informing them that there must always be a Lich King? What if it is a constant manipulation by Ner'zhul? What if this is his endgame? And you got to think about it. Ner'zhul came into power, how? Essentially corrupted by, the Lich King was created as a corruption by Sargeras, right? He's the, he's the big badass of the story. He is the Eridar lord, for lack of a better term. He was the driving force. He was the destructive force behind much of the game. He is the reason we have Eridar. He is the reason we have uh, demons infested. He was the reason behind the original destruction of the Sunwell. He was the original reason the Scourge came to Azeroth. Now, what if this is all just a function for his return? And that's the big debate. There's so much speculation about this in particular that it is mind-boggling. And everybody has an opinion, and it's all valid. These are all different ways that they could go with it. So I think that the lore events at the end of Wrath of the Lich King don't tie up any loose ends. They do nothing but open up even more. And I think that's the cool part of it. And how much of that, though, is going to be leading up to Cataclysm as well? Because this is the last big patch until Cataclysm, is it not? There will be a large patch. It will be a 4.0 patch before Cataclysm was released, just like there was a 3.0 and just like there was a 2.0. I thought that um, 4.0 was basically Cataclysm, though. In some regards, they have. They're they're going to be. There's supposed to be some weird. There's talk of a weird world event, possibly. Yeah. Um, 
and they're talking about it happening at the beginning of Thoro and having it like a long event chain leading up to the actual release of Cataclysm. Yeah, like Sammy's saying in the chat room too, I was under the impression that the things that are going to be leading up to the Cataclysm are going to be occurring prior to well, we, Thoro. We already we're seeing that already. And if you if anybody's noticed, I don't know if you have, if you have your effects turned on in the game, there are earthquakes happening right now wherever you are in the world. We were raiding uh, Lady Death Whisper, okay? And we're sitting there and we're, we're going at the boss and all of a sudden the entire thing starts to shake. Little bits of the citadel start falling down and this is new. We've never seen this before. And this isn't in conjunction with the boss screaming something. This is with something happening elsewhere in the world. Now don't forget at BlizzCon in 2009, what did Metzen and them say? They said little things are going to happen. The world is constantly changing. But the heroes have their attention fully focused on the Lich King. What else could be happening at this time? So every time there's a content release, these happen with more frequency. There's a patch. Earthquakes are happening a little bit more and more. Okay? And I'm waiting. I am waiting to run through, like, the wetlands and just see shit blown the fuck up. I am waiting <laughs> to, to, to see walls start crumbling. I am waiting to see, you know, Hyjal lit on fire. I am waiting. And it's and it's little things like this that aren't leading up to it. And I'm really excited to see it because I, I see an earthquake and I'm like, oh God, oh God, where, where is it coming from? This is awesome. The entire world is shaking. And you can see it like in general chat, you can see it in trade chat, and you can see it in guild chat and party chats and everything where people are like, the, the screen just shake for you? Was that a mod? Did something just do it for you? But yeah, so I mean, it, there is a lot of lead up to it, but I think that even with 4.0, I think there's going to be a big lead, there's going to be even more lead up to the actual release of Cataclysm. They really are billing this to be their epic content release, and I really am happy that they're doing it because what better way to say, hi guys, here's a little epic content than destroying the entire fucking world. <laughs> exactly. So. See, the, the, the only thing that's bothering me as somebody who has stopped and would potentially be starting back, I would be starting back to play um, a war again and experience those starting quests, something completely new, different race and everything else like that. So if I start several months before that comes out, I'm still doing the same old bullshit with the same characters that I won't really be playing. I I'm, I'm still would be wanting to concentrate on the new tune once Cataclysm came out. So that's that's a little bit of a, a pain in the ass. And, and I can kind of understand that, and I can kind of understand that to, to the point where, you know, alcoholics are probably feeling the itch. They want to make a goblin. They want to make a, a worgen. They want to make a dwarf shaman. You know, nobody's bitter about that yet. Um, they want to make, you know, their new different class and race combinations. They want to have new life bred into this game that we've been seeing the same characters for so long. But you got to admit, though, that they are doing quite a bit, and it, it is kind of impressive to see that they realize that their game is five years old. They realize that this game even though it's still going strong, needs to adapt or die. And they're doing it. They're starting to give us little cookies. They're starting to give us things uh, in content. They're starting to give us things in the background that are not even getting a whole lot of press, but are still there that people are finding and going absolutely apeshit over. And, and they're doing it in a, a they're doing it in a well thought out way, I think. They're creating just enough uh, fan rave, you know what I mean? That it's it's good. 
All right, let's move off of WoW and onto you were just talking about Mass Effect. Let's see if we can get Kiki to actually speak a little bit more. This is a game that we know she's playing. Um, it was fairly, yes, it was interesting to read today how they were talking about the Mass Effect Bible and how large it is and the incredible amount of time that they spent creating the IP almost entirely there's not a lot of games where they spend that much time and energy on the IP to make certain that it is so well fleshed out that even though the Mass Effect series is only going to be a trailer, uh, sorry, a trilogy, they've already spoken about being able to expand it with other types of games as well. That um, that IP is going to live on for a very long time. Oh, uh, yeah. Um... I will be happy when Shepard finishes his story because I really want to learn about other stories in the universe. Yeah, it's fairly huge. Like in terms of what characters they could pick for another trilogy, there are so many very, very strong characters. And what I loved reading about that too was how the... By creating that Bible, they have created a world so rich that even though they don't touch upon all of the backstory, it's a it's a progression that makes sense when you see characters doing certain things or you see certain story arcs. I mean, it's literally how when I'm writing books, that's what I do. Of course, I don't spend nearly the amount of time that they did on this, but I do create the entire world. I create every aspect of it. I create the backstory for every character, and it's a thing that you learn wherein, no, it won't always come into play, but even just little things that the characters will say at times are influenced by what happened that the audience doesn't know. This is huge. I mean, they could pick any any of the team members that he had in either one or two and easily make a trilogy game out of that as well. Oh yeah, because all the characters are really interesting, especially the newer ones. I love all of the characters that were introduced in Mass Effect 2, except Miranda. I'm not a big fan <laughs> of her. <laughs> and why would that be? Um, just her personality bothers me, I guess. I, I have. I've only gotten. I love her outfit, though. <laughs> I um. I haven't gotten far enough to like. I didn't like her either from the get go, but it's because of that. She just seems shady at the beginning, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I uh, her glaring moose knuckles. She what? she is shady to yeah. the entire thing. So. And then I did the quest to save her sister, so she kind of softened up a little bit after that. Um. I haven't bothered trying to bang her or anything, so I don't know about <laughs> that. But like, she's at least softened up a little bit. But you're still, you still find it very hard to see any kind of redeeming quality or, or, or you know, characteristics that you can relate to. But that's mm-hmm. partially part of the way that she was written as well. Everything she went through, which goes right back to the whole thing of the backstory is so well written on all of these characters that yeah, it would make sense that she'd be that type of character. I really have nothing to add to the proceedings simply because I... You haven't been playing. I haven't been playing. I haven't been playing nearly as much as I would like to, which kind of defeats my entire purpose. However, next week is my birthday, folks, and I took, Aww, the entire, I took the entire week off. And you know why I took the entire week off? I'm doing nothing but gaming. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to play Mass Effect 2. I am going to beat the fuck out of that game. And then I'm going to go play Bioshock 2. 
okay? <laughs> and I'm going to beat the fuck out of that game, too. And then I'm going to giggle like a schoolboy because I'm going to have so much to talk about that next Monday. And your birthday is on what day again? February 15th. We'll be, we'll be podcasting that day, folks. That is correct. Uh, yay. And it was actually my birthday last week, folks. It was actually my birthday on the day that we released the podcast. And my present was a really nice 27-inch iMac. <laughs> so, but that was partially from back pay from my job as well, too. That's the only reason why I got it. But it is really, really nice. I love it. So, um, so yeah, birthday, back-to-back birthdays. Um, yeah, no, I, I am really loving the um, the Mass Effect um, IP, and uh, which is testament as well to when you play the Mass Effect Galaxy game on the iPhone. I picked that up, and I've been playing that. I actually haven't played that yet. It's actually fun. It's really, it's nowhere near the depth, of course, but of course. <laughs> you get a lot of the same... Um, character choices so you as you're playing you you are getting those choices of how to react with people and the actual combat in the game uses the accelerometer so you're tilting your iphone back and forth kind of thing and playing um it's not the the best combat like it's fine for what it is but i think it would have been better to have simple um dragging him across or whatever versus the accelerometer um but that being said, I'm actually having a lot of fun with it. And again, it's testament to the the, the strength of the IP that I, I absolutely love this IP. I know it's not that far removed from the Star Treks and the Star Wars, but I actually much prefer this IP over those. And I mean, I grew up with those, so it's not, it's not a, 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 you know, like I should mm-hmm. have more of a... a, a stronger feelings towards those other ones. No, I really, really love the Mass Effect universe, the way it's created. I and, was always a fan of it. I loved the first game. I think it's a great IP. I think it's a great story-driven universe. I really enjoy it. Um, I can't even begin to imagine how cool the iPhone app is because I haven't got it yet. But, I mean, it's it's nice to see that they flush it out so well. Now, before we let uh, we, we stop with the the Mass Effect talk, for anybody oh. who does have, well, the, you you weren't talking, dear. <laughs> I, you went you went on about the iPhone app, and I don't I don't play many iPhone games. Okay, well, what did you want to talk about it then? Oh, I don't know because you haven't <laughs> gotten that far, and Joe hasn't played it yet. Yeah, but actually, there's no spoilers. That's one of the things that we're seeing a lot more when um, the regular gaming sites are talking about it. There's no spoiler because there's so many different things that can happen based on your choices that it's it's almost impossible to um, to spoil the game. Like you've been playing, you finished. Have you fe- finished your second playthrough yet? Oh yeah, a while back. And how similar was it to your first? Um, I played a male shepherd instead of a female one, so it was different in some aspects, but I still went the whole uh, good route because it's what I do. And it... I knew what to do this time, so it was pretty similar. What Just, do you it's mean? interesting. Hmm? What do you mean you knew what to do? Oh, I knew all the outcomes of... All the like mini stories and what I should do before finishing the game so people don't die. <laughs> but again, though, it's the choices that you've made. Although, I mean, if you're still choosing only the good choices, then odds are you're going to be seeing the same story. 
pretty much, except the character uh, interaction, because I can woo all the female characters, which is fun. You you could or could not? I could. could. Right. So yeah, as a, as a female character, your choices are pretty limited in who you can woo in the game. Who who do you have? Uh, you... There's Garrus, uh, Jacob... Oh, all I care about is Garrus. <laughs> what about the... Uh... And Kelly... And same. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> what about the Gun for Hire, the DLC one? What's his name again? Oh, I have no clue. I don't have it, actually. He didn't interest me enough. It's kind of creepy looking. <laughs> so you didn't even download him? Nope. Okay, then. Me, if they're, if they're willing to give me something, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. I actually don't mind Zaid. I, I think that he's he's pretty good, actually, and he does uh, a decent job if you bring him in a group, too. I might have to check that out, then. When, when I was playing it, like, nonstop, because I was playing it nonstop, I didn't want to stop playing to get the download stuff. <laughs> so who are the main ones that you're you're grouping up with all the time, then? I'm guessing Garrus, and who else? Garrus, it, it really depends on what class I'm playing, but Garrus my first playthrough, definitely. I usually take a, uh, along the romance option I like the best with me. So with my female, my no, my male character, it was Jack, because I think she's really cool. She is freaking, she reminds me of Aaron last week on the show. That's what she reminds <laughs> me of. She's just batshit crazy is what she is. <laughs> I she is freaking dangerous though. She is actually she is. really good to bring in a group. I tend to bring her mm -hmm. and I've been bringing Jacob a lot because he's actually a lot more powerful than than you realize. But um Jack is just freaking nuts. <laughs> she is um it's interesting that you can have a paragon relationship or a renegade relationship with her. So I, I've been doing the stay the fuck away from her relationship. <laughs> I, I don't want to take those belts off and see what's underneath. <laughs> no, it ain't going to happen. <laughs> um, for anybody who's got the game, make sure to check out uh, February 9th, tomorrow. There's going to be some free DLC. It's going to be the Cerberus mm -hmm. Armor and Eviscerator Shotgun. And it is uh, free, so make sure to check it out, folks. Hopefully the shotgun doesn't suck because... Shotguns, in my opinion, are a little bit worthless in the game at the moment. Well, well you're a vanguard. Um, I was a vanguard in my first playthrough, and it was easier just to uh, SMG them down or sniper rifle them down. Mm. Yeah, I've been just playing the infiltrator, so I literally snipe from a distance and just use Oh, a yeah. That's my favorite thing to do. The infiltrator is my favorite class now. Because in the first game, I did Vanguard. That was the best class, in my opinion. Yeah, no, it is. I, I really like the, um, the way that they... Again, I'd like to play another class just to get a feel for it and to see just how good in fact infiltrator is because as i'm playing the infiltrator having gotten used to the new way the the game controls work in two versus one i find that it is so very natural so well done the cover system with using the space bar is so mm -hmm. fluid i mean as a sniper it's it's basically heaven it, it works so <laughs> it well is. i really like what they did it feels to me, it feels like what um, 
one player FPS should feel like. Well, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I I think that uh, there's still a few things that they could improve to make it something that is um, fully worthy of a a first-person shooter kind of a feel to it, but it's close. I also much prefer the setup that they have now for controlling the two uh, members of your party as well to direct them where you want and whatnot. Um, Mm -hmm. Again, they did a very good job. So it's nice. Yeah, yeah, very, very I miss playing Dragon Age and pretty much taking control of the character. (laughs) I keep wanting to pause the game and just say, you go there, you go there, you do this, you do this, and it's like, ah, damn it, you don't have that much control. That game spoiled me so much. Did you pick up the uh, Return to Ossigar? No, I didn't. Not yet. <laughs> you know what? I picked it up and I still haven't actually played it simply because huh. the character that I can do it with, because um, mm-hmm. my main one, she actually died saving everybody. And so oh, well, the other guy is going to be a bastard. And he ain't going to die for no freaking money. <laughs> so, but he's stuck in that stupid mage's tower right now. So oh, I can't just bounce out and go do Ostagar. So That's such a dumb part (laughs) i rant about that part every time someone brings it up i i didn't mind it the first time this time i'm finding it a little bit more i'm finding it's dragging a little bit more it's not a hard part at all it's just takes a lot of time and i don't think it's very fun it's a very very easy puzzle yeah, I and, and quite frankly, I'm not going to be touching that again until I finish um, Mass Effect 2. Anyways, once I'm done Mass Effect 2, then I'll I'll dive back into uh, Dragon Age and do it. But until then, which I mean, it, we're going to be getting the expansion shortly, anyways, as well, which yeah, is going to be yeah. yet another reason to dive into that world. <laughs> exactly. Uh, moving on from there, let's talk a little bit about Bioshock 2 because you were mentioning it, Joe. Um, every plasmid and tonic was revealed in a guide for except one, except for the secret one. Yeah, the secret one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're back. Thanks, gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, for allowing us that little break. Um, we are San Joe now. So both Joe and Rick have decided to dump the podcast for tonight, <laughs> each for their own reasons. Joe actually had to leave all of a sudden, so it is, uh, it's not just poor hardware Joe. difficulties. Yes, poor Joe. So no, that being okay. Yes, I'm sure it is. We'll find out <laughs> soon enough. Hopefully it's not some cat incident once again, so... This poor cat. Um, moving on from there, some of the other news that was interesting this week as well was the um, listening to Molinier talking about Fable 3, which... Did you play either of the other two Fables? I played Fable 2. Right. What did you think about it? Um, I didn't like it very oh. much, but I played it a lot. I, I, I see. I thought... I, what I was most disappointed in was... Um, what he knew because he is he is one of the best at hyping shit and making you think that he is serving you Jesus's crap on a platter that and that you should be thankful for it um, really Fable 2 was supposed to be this unbelievable game and then you're playing it and it's like not really I mean you can talk a good talk about there being consequences in the game but you want to see consequences in the game go talk to Bioware you ain't got it in exactly. Fable 2 um, 
So now he's talking about Fable 3, and you can see him. He's such a, an advertising marketing guy. And he's <laughs> If you watch the video he's talking about it, they're going to be talking and about Fable 3 at X10, which is going to be on <laughs> the 11th. And he's saying, and you could tell it's like a careful play on words to get people interested and saying that people are going to be super pissed off at at them for what they're doing with fable 3 and i'm thinking no people are typically pissed off after they've played the game not when they hear about it yeah i mean that's a really good way to get people interested in it though because i have i have really no interest in fable 3 but i'm really interested to know why we're going to be upset Exactly. And he knows how to do. That's all it is. It's just to get people listening because there's, I mean, what can you possibly say about the game or the IP that is going to get people upset other than perhaps the game mechanics or things like that? Like if they say that it's going to come out and you're going to have to have Natal in order to play it. Yes, that will piss people off because... They not everybody wants to feel the need to have to purchase it to play Fable 3 because despite what we think, Fable actually has a huge following to it. Yeah. To me, that is what I think is going to be happening and that's why he's saying people are going to be upset because it's going to require it. I mean, he's pushing Natal big time right now. Of course, being game dev, what is it, game dev, uh, lead game dev for, for uh, Microsoft Games on the European European front, so he's pushing Natal like crazy. So that's my guess what's going to piss people off. I don't know what you think. Um, uh, I'm hoping it's something else, something more interesting, just com- something completely different to the game. That would be, that'd be interesting. Like what, moving it forward in time quite a bit or doing something like that? Because, I mean, the, the time span between one and two was quite a bit. Would be interesting. I I really don't have a specific idea because, like I said, I'm not really interested in the game. But I heard this piece of news, and I was interested in that. Well, we'll see. It's it's on the 11th, so we're not going to have to to wait too long. Uh, Also, in the news this week, we got to see some concept art for the female monk in Diablo Three. It looks pretty freaking cool. Does look really cool. Um, I like how they show the uh, the variants in armor as well for mm-hmm. what you can expect at the beginning, middle, and end kind of thing. I like that they didn't go with the traditional Asian route with a monk that you see in far too many games. Oh, yeah. Um, so it, it was kind of cool, this white-haired chick. And uh, I don't know how much of an option we'll have in terms of changing up the look of them. I, that's one of the things that I don't know. I haven't actually yeah, read I, whether they'll I give you more even, options. I didn't even think you would have that option but you never know yeah it will be interesting anyways it does look damn cool i'll put the link in the show notes and actually i might even just put the picture in the show notes so you guys can see it as well too um rick's opinion is is that she looks like pink and that she She looks pretty badass Um, also in the news, they were talking about, uh, let's bring it right back to Bioware because we love these people. <laughs> they were talking about the Sith, Sith Inquisitor in the Old mm-hmm. Republic and giving oh. that blog uh, entry from the, the dev blog entry. Mm-hmm. 
It's as we're reading more and more about it. Actually, we've read more about I think the Inquisitor than we have the other classes up till now, and I think that's because I'm, I'm they're... perfectly fine with that because it's my favorite class. That's that's what I want to play. I mean, purple lightning. <laughs> and that you can interrupt people while they're talking by shocking. <laughs> How cool can that be? Like, what, what's better than that? Like, exactly. Rick is babbling on, and I just, and it just shuts him up. It's like, how cool is that? Um, but I think that I get the impression, because of the response that the Inquisitor got at first, that they are feeling the need to have to justify the class. Yeah. And with everything I'm reading, it needs no justification. It's going to be a lot of fun. Whereas the warrior is going to be much more of a, like they say, coming from a position of privilege. Whereas the Inquisitor is starts the game as a slave. And then from there, you have to prove yourself worthy of uh, of the Force and, and, and moving on and being a Sith. It looks like it's going to have a much more dramatic uh, quest line progression through the game to play it as an Inquisitor. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a much more dramatic character class overall. I, oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> it is cool too because of how they're using it and and like some of the things that they're saying in terms of um, how you're going to be playing the class. Like mm-hmm. when you're looking at the differences between the. Um, say the again the sith warrior and the sith inquisitor there are some fundamental differences not just in terms of the abilities that you're going to have and not just in terms of the quest line progression that you're going to have because they've made that clear but also in terms of how you're going to play the game how you're going to um you may not always be going in all balls out into a fight but rather gathering intelligence on people and whatever and so that you have control through those means and it's fairly cool it's like a it's way different than the average you know whack-a-mole class where it's just swing your lightsaber you got nothing more to add on that um (laughs) (laughs) so you've already decided on the inquisitor though oh yeah i mean i decided that as soon as i heard about the class and do you have any plans of playing an alt on any of the others? What would be your second favorite to play? Um, I don't know, really. All my friends are going to go, they're going uh, Jedi instead. So oh, really? I might have to make, yeah, which is really weird. I mean, who doesn't want to be a badass? I mean, <laughs> even me, and I play all the good characters in every other game, but... And you're actually going to have the option of being a Sith Sith Inquisitor. My God, I'm having problems with that word tonight. A Sith Inquisitor making um, following the, the the traditionally right choices as well. Be a good Sith Inquisitor. Yeah, but what fun is that? Yeah, but you never pick the bad. I know. I want to try really, really hard though. <laughs> so you have to try <laughs> at being bad. See, some of us really don't have to try very hard. In fact, <laughs> it's more of a battle to try to be good. I know a certain tart who would probably agree with me. Um, <laughs> yeah. See, most of the people that I have spoken to, very few of them are actually looking at playing um, Jedi there or any of the um, hold on Republic Empire. Yeah, Republic. None of them are looking at playing um, Republic characters. They're all looking at the Empire classes. Yeah, it is. Uh, 
don't know. It just it seems like such a more badass approach to the game. Yeah, yeah. It's it's again. I I'm gonna be playing with my youngest, and we've been talking about it and whatnot. And and though we'll probably make some of the quote unquote bad choices kind of thing or evil choices, let's put it that way. Um, but I was very interested in them when they were talking about. Again, you can play a good Sith or, or Empire class or a yeah. bad Republic class. And I like that because that's going to probably open up a lot of different class or, mm. or options in the game. And so it's things that you would not traditionally see. So I really like that. But then they're talking that you're just going to be able to interrupt people by shocking them. As an <laughs> that that can't be a good option. I mean, like, you know, when, you're, when you've got options of things to say to people, shocking the hell out of them to shut them up can't be good. You, there's there's some bad mojo that's going to be happening there. Oh, yeah. I was talking to someone about how in uh, Mass Effect that you should just have a headbutt option. That would be quite good, actually. There's every once in a while he needs a way to shut people up. And mm-hmm. just, I, although I'm really digging, again, the Paragon and Renegade, but because I'm so focused on the game while I'm playing, I rarely actually look at if it's a Paragon or a, a Renegade choice. I just see mm-hmm. something pop up and I hit the mouse. <laughs> so, oh, no. Which that's, kind of. That's usually okay, actually, that I figured out because if you choose a Renegade, like, bad pop-up action it doesn't affect you if there's no good option after that yeah because it's it's i've I've been trying to go a little bit more renegade with him within reason though i'm see again we're we're going right back to mass effect here but i love the way that they set it up where in yes you can go completely paragon or completely renegade but you can still have just as rewarding a an experience throughout the entire game playing it as um, like in my case i'm playing it as a character that is traditionally doing the right thing however every once in a while being in the position that he's in he does have to make tough choices and you would think that you have to go full one way or full the other to get the really interesting um, aspects of the game come out but you really don't it's well, well so far as i've seen put well, it that way. So, yeah. later on in the game there are some uh, options where you need really high paragon or really high uh bad renegade mojo yes mojo. <laughs> that's what it will be hence known as bad mojo <laughs> yeah see i'm already seeing some options come up in dialogue wherein i would have to have a lot more of one or the other and because i'm making choices that are both during the game i am both of them are going up at the same time so i really don't have enough of one or the other so yeah. i am seeing that and because it's not the same as mass effect one you don't get to put points into charm or what was the other one actually uh, for some of the classes i noticed not all of them have it but uh there's an option when you completely level up a talent thing that you can choose for you to get 100 percent plus uh Paragon and Renegade points when you do it. Oh, really? Yeah, it's it's really interesting because I like I like maxing it out as fast as I can so I can get all the interesting options of there are. Hmm. Well, I'm gonna be playing it through once again. Once I'm once I'm done playing it this time around, what I'm <laughs> gonna be doing is I'm going to be playing through. 
entirely as the um, Mass Effect 1 and then importing that character into Mass Effect 2. Play it through and that'll be the character I import into 3 when it eventually comes out. Mm. Which can be soon enough. Which tends <laughs> to be the opinion of everyone right now. 3 cannot right. come out soon enough. So, sucking it right back to Star Wars, we also found out that there's going to be yet another Lego Star Wars. This is going to be Lego Star Wars 3, yep. The Clone Wars. Did you play any of the other two? Either of um, the other two? I didn't play them much, but I've played one of them. <laughs> right. I played, uh, I didn't finish them, although my son did. And it's uh, it's one of those uh. games that we play together and I did watch him finish it all and i played it we and then we played some the the indiana jones together quite a bit but no the the star wars lego games are absolutely phenomenal so them using the clone wars um storyline is actually going to be very interesting we've actually been watching the star the the clone wars quite a bit um all of us the entire family loves it <laughs> so it's uh it, this should be actually fairly cool yeah it seems really interesting because i haven't watched much of the Clone Wars, so playing this game would be a new story for me, more or less. Yeah, the, the actually, some people are not as crazy, crazy about the Clone Wars. However, if you actually get into the characters, and again, take this, like, I'm really not a Star Wars fanatic uh, by any means, but we really enjoy the Clone Wars. It's, it's, it's exceptionally well done. I love the animation. The characters are really, really well fleshed out as well, which is important to me. So we've actually been enjoying it a lot. Now, I know a Lego Star Wars game is not going to have amazing... <laughs> fleshed out characters but still right. it's gonna be uh, it, it will be interesting so with that we are gonna wrap up the show for this evening thanks to everybody in the audience for joining us i would like to send a big thanks out to dejan dejango yeah dejango and pharomancer who left us very positive itunes reviews last week I don't know if it was because of my begging or Joe's. Regardless, it's much appreciated. Same as last time, folks. If you enjoy the work that we do here, even when we lose everybody else except for me, thank God for Kiki, um, please go into iTunes, leave us a review. We do appreciate it. Not just a rating, but leave us an actual review. We need to get, uh, get a whole whack load of more of those going. So that's going to wrap it up. We're just going to have a little bit of a post-show here and chill out for a little while and drink a little bit more ice wine. And the feature at the uh, when this sucker goes live is going to be a Dust 514 feature from Joe, which you're definitely going to want to check out. Very, very interesting stuff. I'd like to once again thank Kiki for joining us this evening. It was fantastic having her on the show. And, uh, and that's it. Same time next week, 645. Although, again, today was a little late, but next week it will be. 645 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks. My name is Joe and I am from For The Lore. Today we are going to be talking about the latest endeavor from the CCP, the creators behind the juggernaut of space MMO known as EVE. Their latest project is called Dust 514. Now you might ask yourself, what is Dust 514? Well, it is a console-based MMO first-person shooter based in the EVE universe. Now you might ask yourself, why is this important? Well. It takes players out of their ship, something EVE has not previously done. And you got to think about it. In a world like EVE, in a universe that they've created with such violence and strife and everything else that's been going on, 
obviously ship pilots aren't only thing out there trying to keep the peace. There's planets out there. There are people on stations. There's a war being fought on all fronts. This is what Dust 514 takes care of. This brings you into the realm of individuals and squads sent to basically bring the peace. The game itself was announced in August of 2009 at one of the CCP events. Um, basically, it's their version of BlizzCon, for those of you who don't know much about it. During this time, a few things were released. First of all, we do have an official trailer, uh, which in order to view the trailer, please feel free to stop by forthelore.com. It will be uploaded later this week. But we also noticed some interesting things about the game itself, gameplay and its interaction with the EVE universe. There will be a quick play mode for you to jump in and go ahead and shoot things. There will be NPC faction warfare as well as the capture of player-owned planets. This is important because, as you know, EVE is run by corporations. Corporations have certain holdings, whether it's planets or bases or what have you. Being able to take a battle to it and try to capture it is kind of a big deal. Battles will take part on dynamic battlefields that are around 5 kilometers across. This doesn't seem like a, a, a big distance, but it is, and it can be. This allows them to do some very dynamic things with it. It will allow them to shape a very unique battlefield without having to worry about forming an entire planet. But it also presents a very interesting challenge. Every five kilometers that they put as a battle map will be representation of that planet and structure. It'll be interesting to see what they do. There will be a cap to the number of players per battle, which will be no less than 64 at launch. You think this might not be important, but with games like MAG for the PS3 coming out and boasting 256 players per battle, the number of players in a map is very important now. People want epic-based combat, but they also want to be able to manage it and control it and not be overwhelmed. In the combat, there will be a command structure. Squad leaders in charge of infantry will in turn be led by a player commander on board the MCC, or Mobile Command Center. The commander will effectively be playing a real-time strategy game and will be dependent on the situational awareness of the infantry, uh, infantry planners. There will be a number of sub-objectives, but the main goal is to destroy the enemy's mobile command center. You're going to have different sub-objectives like, you know, capture this base, capture this node, so on and so forth. Dust 514 will feature 10 different vehicle classes, 8 of which will be available at launch. These include Warthog-style buggies from Halo, fighter aircraft, dropships, and tanks. Infantry alike will be able to call in vehicles on the fly and have them dropped off by large dropships. This adds another strategic element. Everybody can call and have it dropped, but if there's a limit in how often you can call them, this becomes a matter of, well, what will be the best vehicle for this job at this given point in time? Commanders will be able to deploy ground installations, which can house large guns and missile emplacements. Think kind of like on-the-fly bunker dropping. That's kind of cool because it'll allow them to give cover to their team, as well as additional support. Ground installations will also act as spawn points, so as you're taking over certain sections of the map and as you progress further along, when you die, you'll be able to brought back further in instead of having to run all the way across the map. Very cool. Vehicles and installations will be purchased with war points, which are non-persistent game currency. This will allow each fight to have an escalation of war and will help prevent players with accumulated wealth from dominating. This is something we've seen kind of 
happen in a lot of first-person shooter games, Modern Warfare, um, even back in the days of Medal of Honor, where bonuses were given to players with a certain number of kills and it carried over between games. This negates that. It's your with the way that you operate in that battle and that battle alone. I think that's very important. I think it's a very good uh, concept for them to keep in order to have a balanced war structure. Rather than having a skill system like EVE Online or a leveling system like World of Warcraft, Dust 514 will be an advancement matrix where objectives achieved in-game unlock tiers which then give access to better items on the marketplace. Now we've talked about this previously, and this is very similar to what they're talking about with APB. So you can see how traditional leveling and skills are kind of going out the window a little bit. Like ships in EVE, Weapons and vehicles will be customized with module slots. Just like no two ships were the same in EVE, no two set of weapons or vehicles may be the same in Dust 514. There are two methods a Dust Marine can use to get from planet A to planet B. The first is to clone jump, using similar technology to EVE pod pilots. For those of you who don't know, when you die in EVE, a clone is basically born with the accumulated knowledge of your character. And you can go on from there, take a backup ship and whatnot. Being able to do that as a Marine is kind of interesting, because do you have to kill yourself before you can do it? Do you go into a dormant state and your clone wakes up on another planet? Don't know yet, but I think it's a very interesting exploration and different use of technology that they've already existed in-game. The second method is to use the corpse war barge and fly to a hostile planet. There is going to be a interplanetary shuttle, essentially, that you're able to use to get from planet to planet. Dust players will have to use the war barge to attack hostile so if a world itself is completely hostile, the barge will have to break through in order to drop off its troops. Now the interaction between Dust 514 players with the wider EVE universe is a little more sketchy, but it's still very interesting to see how these are going to interact. EVE pilots will own the majority of planetary districts. This will be introduced in the following expansion to Dominion. So the current expansion is Dominion. After that, we're going to see where players are able to own planets. Dust Marines will be securing key staging area districts. So basically, they're taking over small areas to wage larger warfare. Very interesting. Hiring Dust Marines will not be mandatory, but it will make the capture of planets easier. So that means that there's going to be a way for a ship captain to capture a planet. However, being able to hire a ground force of Dust Marines to go forth and do their dirty work on a more intimate level, that's also very interesting because it fits with the entire corporate motif of the game. It is very corporate mercenary. Hire what you have to, to do what you need to do to get it done. Initially, interaction with EVE players will be done through the new Eden social network, otherwise known as Cosmos. This is very much like the social networks we've seen in a lot of the other games that are out there, like Mass Effect with their um, Cerberus network. But this is going to involve players communicating with one another. This is very interesting because if you were, we're used to social networks like Twitter and Facebook and, and various other methods of getting in touch with each other, placing something like that in-game in order to post and hire for jobs is absolutely amazing and it adds to the immersion of the game. Eventually, CCP hopes players in EVE will be able to share the same social spaces as Dust514 Marines, presumably in stations. Now, this has been long talked about. They want to get players to be able to leave their ship. So they can do that, they'll be able to go and, and interact with Dust 514 players 
that'll be pretty cool. It'll be very, it'll bridge the gap between console and computer gaming. Very, very lofty endeavor. Initially, at least, the economies of Eve and Dust will be kept as separate as possible. CCP does not want codependency between the games yet. That doesn't mean it won't happen, but for right now, they don't want somebody who has a corporation that is controlling a huge section of NullSec space with rich back being able to say, okay, Dust 514 Marine Team, here you go. Here's all the money you need. Go forth and steal all the planets for me. So they're trying to keep it at least balanced in that way. It is currently rumored that the Dust 514 game will use the Unreal game engine. There is There will be a microtransaction model rather than a subscription model. Uh, I understand that a lot of people think that's a dirty word, but microtransaction is not that bad, especially in a game that is going to be supplemental to EVE. So making sure that you can play the game on a console system as well as PC, uh, and making sure that you don't have to pay a monthly fee in order to play it is actually kind of a good thing and will draw players into this. The fact that it bases itself very heavily on games we are used to, like Halo, uh, and combat systems that we are used to, like Halo, will draw the console players in and possibly expand their base. It is a very smart move on CCP's part. Other facts that we know at this time, all the races in factions from EVE Online will be featured in Dust 514. We also know that there will be racial specific weapons. The strengths and weaknesses for each race that we all know and love in EVE will also be featured in 514. Further information will be made available through various sources, and we'll report on it as often as we can. To be perfectly honest, Dust 514 is shaping up to be one hell of a squad-based combat game that has me interested very, very much so. Hopefully we'll be able to see betas and videos very soon of gameplay and interaction. I'll keep you all posted as much as I can, but in the meantime, go forth, enjoy your game, and thank you for listening. Not what I want to hear. Hey. I'm hey, expecting hey, she's more prepared things. than Rick. Um, it, that's not setting the bar very high. <laughs> Hoogs, your new avatar picture on Twitter is so adorable. It is so Dude. cute. I swear to God, it's it makes me want to hug you. When you now, when you oh. get all mad and stuff, I'm gonna be like, oh, he must look so cute getting all mad. <laughs> See, I told him that he looked like uh, Dexter from Dexter's Lab. Because I don't know what it is, but his Twitter picture just makes me think of him going, Damn you, Dee Dee! Nah, he's not tough enough. He doesn't look tough enough to beat Dexter. Ooh, ouch. Not even close. Are riling him up already. This is going to be a great show. Yeah. Oh, I took screenshots of the, the Avatar, too. So even if he takes it down, I got screenshots. Excellent. Of, of the cuteness that is Hoops. And, <laughs> nice. And, yeah, it's just one of those, like, whenever he, he's being an ass now to us, we can just look at this picture and go, oh, how can you do I, You know, it'd be like getting mad at a little puppy. You, you just can't do it, even when they're tearing up your shit. You know what? I'm using this picture, actually, in the podcast, so when you guys are <laughs> watching the podcast later on your iPod or whatever, look at the picture. It's going to have Hoobs' picture. 
and nobody else is going to get it. They're going to be like, what the hell is this picture for? But you guys Dude, in the live audience, have, you'll know. I have a request. Let's turn Hoogs into the for, like a For the Lore icon like we do with everything else. <laughs> for this episode. Uh, poor Hoogs. I will do it. I will do it. <laughs> I will do that tomorrow. I would, Daniel, but you probably taste pretty awful. Yeah, because you're pretty limited if you're playing a female. I've, I haven't played female in the... Uh, oh. Joe, be quiet. He's not even listening. Joe, can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you guys. Okay, you just kind of squelched there. That was for Rick. Squelch. Um, we've lost our Joe. He is gone. Shall we wait? I... Guess so. I'm, I'm having a drink anyway, so I'm going to edit this shit out. <laughs> so you folks in the audience enjoy. <laughs> this is where the Jeopardy music is going. Did he even say he was leaving? Did he like give any no. indication that he was leaving? He just disappeared. <laughs> yep. This is... Uh, it takes a lot to make Rick look professional. I mean... <laughs> so it's just you and me, darling. It's just us. Oh, just, no. Oh, oh, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> What are you laughing about? No Must laughing on the show, damn it. Aww. Aww. <laughs> Kiki. Oh, dear Lord. Are you serious? Is it me? People in the audience, is it me? Is that why everybody is, like, running away from me? I don't know what's going on. Like, seriously. I'm, I'm, I think if I hadn't been drinking so much till now, I might cry. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if she uh, actually would like to come back. I didn't say anything offensive. Let's let's be clear on that. Um, Kiki, I don't normally talk while I type. I just wanted you guys to uh, hear what's going on. Kiki, what the? Oh, she's calling me. Okay, apparently I don't have to finish this. No, you can't call me. I have to call you. And you left me. <laughs> You hung up on me or something. No. Oh, that was so sad. No, no. There's some people I do hang up on. We know those people. And we will make <laughs> fun of them from here on out. Oh, don't tell me we lost. <laughs> no, no. I'm no, you're pausing? Okay. <laughs> and that's it, folks. Yay. Yay. You did, did it. it. You did yeah. it. <laughs> I hope you. you had fun. I did. I love you guys. You guys you know, are the best. That's right. Is there a reason why you have not left us an iTunes review saying that then? <gasps> oh, you didn't think I'd go there, did oh, you? No. You did not think I would go there. <laughs> you caught me. But I did. You had better do it. And today, <laughs> do it. Oh, you're such a bully. Aww. Do it. <laughs> I have a habit of skipping quest text, so... And, and I brought you on a show about Laura. Why? I, 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 I don't know. I'm usually. I'm pretty. Shoot will only take you so far. 